Hello, listeners. This is Sound Guy Drew. We at Millennial Pagan Podcast and Goblin Tech Productions wanted to let you know that there were some unavoidable technical difficulties when recording this episode. We apologize if this has resulted in a temporary drop in our normal quality. We hope you still enjoy this episode and the wonderful guests that Autumn and Jera have for you. From us here at Millennial Pagan Podcast and Goblin Tech Productions, thank you. Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that just had all of the internet and then computer trouble, but now we're here recording an episode straight for you. Yay! I'm oh. Autumn Wolf. I'm Jarrah Stone, and we have a guest with us today. We have uh, somebody with a very long name, but we're just going to go ahead and call her Jess. <laughs> but try to say it at least once, that way when we say okay. go read her book. So it is Jessica Marie... Baumgartner. Baumgartner, you got Baumgartner. it. Baumgartner, awesome. <laughs> All that information will be down below, of course. Of course. So, but welcome we have- to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here, and it's good to have the internet not hate me right now. <laughs> Yay! Oh. Yep. So for our listeners at home, just had internet issues. My computer decided to crash. And (laughs) then our normal recording suite decided that it just didn't like us anymore. So (laughs) we are back on old fashioned Zoom. If there is a sound quality diminished from our last few episodes, we apologize. But at least we're getting content for you. So hopefully you enjoy what you hear either way. Um, Let's start off with how is everyone? I'm good. It's been a couple of nice rainy days and the storms have completely missed right where I live. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We've had some storminess in my way, but we baked cookies this morning, me and the kids. So it's been a a nice relaxing day of of fun. (laughs) Yay. So Jess, where are you zooming in from? I am in St. Peter's, Missouri. It is just outside of St. Louis and I'm from St. Louis. So yeah, there I am like in the smack in the middle of the country. (laughs) Nice. Autumn, how was your week? Busy. Very, very busy. (laughs) Oh, all right. So because we're using Zoom, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into things. And we're actually not going to take a break this show just to keep things rolling. But... Let's go ahead and get things started with Jess, if you would like to tell us your uh, your coming of witch story. Sure. So from a very, very young age, I've always been connecting with nature, especially. But I always had this profound love of the spiritual and, and a very deep connection with at least creation and my creators. And my mom recognized that really early on. And I'm very, very lucky because she's a Christian, but she's like a real Christian. I call them the true Christians. She's somebody who understands that her faith isn't necessarily how everybody else's faith translates and that all of our spiritualities are very important to us and very personal and that religion is more of a man-made thing and it's how your spirituality manifests. One of the good ones. Yes, yes, very much so. She's a wonderful person and we all have our faults, but she specifically raised my sister and me 
with that understanding, but also the elements of Christianity that she loved so much because she was raised Catholic was, of course, the pagan elements. And so that came through when I became a teenager and I really started studying theology. I was really looking for the whys and the hows. And, you know, I found myself studying Buddhism and Taoism and going through the Quran and things like that and trying to figure out what it all meant to me. And nothing really fit until I started studying paganism. And that is when everything clicked. And when I was 17, I joined a coven with a friend who was a hereditary witch. And we had a pretty good run for a little while with my sister and another friend of mine. But, you know, leadership when you're in your teens isn't isn't always that easy. You know, there's little tiffs and things. And so that kind of dissolved and I needed to go the solitary route. But what really put me where I needed to be on the path that I am now that is constantly evolving and changing. And I call it kind of like climbing the mountain (laughs) was I went to, there was a pop-up bookstore in the mall, oddly enough in the mall. Like it's not like the corporate ones, you know, I, I always love the bookstores. I don't care if they're corporate or not, but there was just some random guy who just had all of these old books and some new, and it was just in the middle of the like food court. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you can imagine that, yeah, just some old dude sitting with all these books surrounding him. And I walked in and I do this thing that I love in libraries where I just kind of close my eyes and drag my finger over the spine of a book uh, of all the books. And then I just decide to stop. It's like roulette, you know, and Mm. then where my finger stops, I pull the book out and I decide whether or not I want to read it. I flip through it a little bit. I read the description and my finger this time stopped on this bright red cover. It was a hardcover book and I pulled it out and it didn't have anything written on the cover. So I looked at the spine and it said diary of a witch. And I'm like, what is this? And I was like, that's right up my alley. And I opened it up and it was by Sybil Leak, who I had never heard of before. Never heard of her. I had no idea what a spiritual inspiration she was. And I read that book and it changed my life. And and from there, I was, I've always been looking for those old, mm. the old books, the ones that really survive history. And that really, and I, I paid $6 for that book and it's going for a lot more online now. I, I was very lucky and I, honestly feel very blessed. I feel like I was pulled to that book and it was waiting for me. And so that really set me on on a good path to proper meditations and really exploring my specific needs when it comes to, to magic and spirituality. And mm-hmm. that took me through my 20s where I was constantly, you know, hiking and fishing and swimming and and trying to really, I find that, you know, there's that stereotype that you have to go live alone on a mountain with some goats, <laughs> you know, in order to be a spiritual guru. And there is truth in pulling yourself away from society and taking a step back into nature to find the gods or your God, whatever, you know, your specific faith, where that leads, your God. But I don't necessarily think that you have to isolate yourself for long periods of time. I think it's more if it's just a practice within your life. You know, every day I tried to take a walk and I tried to make sure that I paid attention to the bird song or talked to a tree and, and or, or climbed a tree, you know, 
we grow up and we stop rolling down hills and chasing butterflies. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, you know, there is something in just taking a, a moment to chase a butterfly that kind of brings you back to your core roots and reminds you where you come from. And so I spent a lot of my 20s doing that. And then I had my kids, of course, in my later 20s and my my daughters. And then I had my sons more recently. But motherhood in general has also kind of helped me to refine what I really believe because you're teaching it to your kids then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always thought I was teaching it to my dog before the kids were born, of course. <laughs> I, I love all the animals and I, I miss my cats. I don't have cats anymore, but Aww. I've always had a dog. I can't live without a wagging tail. And so the dog mm-hmm. that I had who is past now, he kind of helped me with my meditations and all of my, my rituals. And it's been a lifestyle instead of just, you know, a practice. And practice is really the best word for it because you are constantly refining how you physically express your spirituality, which is so very, you know, hard to do for a lot of people. And it's hard for me sometimes. So that's really, you know, I'm just going through the whole thing, aren't I? (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But that's really what's uh, led to all of this is just trying to every day make sure that I, even if I can't go outside, just look out the window for five minutes and remind myself, you know, there's a whole world. There are all these elements out there that are just a big part of who we are. And to not forget that. So would you say that your practice is very much just being in nature and allowing yourself to commune with it? Absolutely. And it communes with me a lot more than I think I (laughs) commune with it sometimes. (laughs) I'm a fire symbol. So having a fire pit in my backyard and doing, you know, the blazing fire under the full moon is a very important aspect of my life. (laughs) Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any specific deities that you work with? I am afraid to put too many names on things. I know that's Mm -hmm. weird. Like I have affiliated with, with a few of the groups around here and, and gone to some of the big like pagan rituals and it's fun. You know, I love going Mm -hmm. to the pagan picnic and, and and working with others, but a lot of people, they have their names for the, you know, they, they worship Diana, they worship Freya, they worship Odin. And, and for me, it, to put a name on it, I almost feel like I can't do that because like, I'm just this little tiny human and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have the authority to put a name on my gods, but I definitely, I definitely have a very specific connection with each. Like, I feel like there is a connection through fire with, mm-hmm. with the male elements of God and water too. If that doesn't, I don't know why that's weird. When I go scuba diving and I haven't been in a long time, but when, even when I'm swimming and I'm underwater, like I can feel that presence of, and I don't want to say Poseidon, but Poseidon is definitely, you know, that is what connects me when I'm in the water. And then same as when I'm climbing a tree and a a big gust of air rushes over me, I can feel goddess in that. And when I'm gardening, I am at my most feminine and I, I feel, you know, when you're tending your little seed babies, you, you know, the goddess, I can, I can feel her in every root and I can, you know, see the smile coming through. And so it is very much like balanced with like male and female elements of the gods, but it's very hard for me to define it to a degree sometimes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love hearing 
that description is so very different from what we hear all the time on here, but I think there's going to be somebody that that resonates with. Um, <laughs> I just, I have that feeling that that's going to be an aha moment for somebody not calling out that poor person who just had that aha moment. <laughs> but I think a lot of that also comes through very well in your book. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's funny when I sat down to write the magic of nature, like Writing, you know, I've done fiction, I've done nonfiction, and I've written, I, I genre hop, which is a big no-no in publishing. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I do all the no-nos, but um, it's usually hard, you know, it's, it's very hard to create a world or to find that angle when you're writing a, a news report or something like that. Mm-hmm. But with this book, you know, I was just sitting down and writing me. You know, Mm -hmm. like what I what I deal with regularly and and what I know of the gods and what I know of the energies that we can all utilize to improve our lives. And so it it just came so naturally and so quickly. And I I, it kind of shocked myself a little bit because I it's very humbling to me. You know, you kind of step back and you're like, whoa, I didn't write that, did I? And Mm -hmm. and you just the editing process makes it more real because you're like, these are my words. I did that. And it's coming through and, and it is very, it is divine. And so I, I feel like there's a, I, I kind of have to like bow to it at times and be like, okay, well, I am qualified to write about this and, and mm-hmm. it's here and, and hopefully it helps people because that's the whole reason that I write. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I've only gotten halfway through, but um, in the intro, um, you said something about that you felt sort of compelled to get this on paper. Can you talk more a little bit about that? Yes. (laughs) My husband was reading the introduction and he's like, is this a magic book or is this a survivalist book? What are you writing? (laughs) I understand. (laughs) But there are so many people who've expressed the fact that they just don't know how to do things that our grandparents knew how to do naturally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us feel like insufficient and there's so much anxiety that comes with that. And I'm a hands-on person. I like to experience life face first and just go for it and make as many mistakes as possible. And it, it can be very heartbreaking at times, but I feel like that was my approach to spirituality too. I'm not going to hide from it. I'm not going to run away from it. And I don't have to be perfect. I can make mistakes. And that's something my sister's always like, you're so fearless when it comes to this. And people are always calling me brave. And I don't consider it bravery. I just consider it just a methodology. That's just a method that I use. And not everybody uses that method because, you know, it is painful. But there are so many things out there that we need to reconnect with. We need to learn. You need to know how to grow your own food. And even if it's just, you know, having a cute little garden on your windowsill, that connection is so important because it reminds you that, you know, the food doesn't just magically show up in the grocery Mm -hmm. store. (laughs) It doesn't. And it's so easy to take that for granted when you don't get your hands a little dirty. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I really wanted to kind of present that in a, anybody can do this. I'm not some like special person. Anybody can do these things. They really can. Right. So 
What I got from the half of the book that I've read is that (laughs) it is a coming to terms with these are things that our grandparents, great-grandparents and ancestors going back knew or were taught very easily. But these are things that we have lost and forgotten. It's kind of a how-to intro to getting these skills back, being able to connect to nature back as well. But as I'm looking at like the contents, which is the first thing I pull up, Is there a methodology or a reason why you put things in this order? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) So the earth meditations come in the first chapter because Mm -hmm. I feel like those are so much, they're easier, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can take a walk and just sit down in a field and just take a moment you know, and reconnect, put your hands on the ground and feel, you know, that humbling nature of just touching the earth, you know, and then from there, I I did the gardening section, because gardening is hard, but it's something that anybody can dive into right away. Mm -hmm. It's a very hands-on learning process. Hiking comes next, because it goes back to what I, you know, was trying to instill in chapter one, but it takes it higher where we're talking about if you want to conquer a mountain, if you're physically (laughs) able. (laughs) That's exactly what I got too, is when I was reading chapter three and hiking, I was like, I feel like this is the next step (laughs) of chapter one. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's really what it was. I mean, I wrote, these are all in the same order. I wrote them in the chapters were not rearranged in editing. Swimming is probably my favorite chapter because I'm so, I was on a swim team for six years when I was a kid. And I like to pretend I'm a mermaid. (laughs) I love water. There is something about being able to go underwater that I feel like a lot of signals and frequencies can't get underwater. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just so much there. So it really blocks out all the noise that gets stuck in our heads. Even sometimes if you're thinking too much, which a lot of us do, you know, when you submerge yourself underwater and just hold your breath for a few minutes, there's so much clarity because you are submerging yourself away from all of that and just kind of cleansing it from your body and from your spirit and from your mind, from everything. And then from there, of course, I went to sleeping outdoors, which if you've ever slept around a fire in just a sleeping bag with no tent, it's, I use the word humbling a lot because there are so many humbling experiences in life. And that is one of them. You know, Mm -hmm. you're out there in the open with the bugs and, you know, the Mm -hmm. animals and safety is a main concern in this book. And my publisher made me write about safety a lot. (laughs) Because we don't want to be held liable. I don't want to encourage anybody to do anything dangerous. Mm -hmm. But if you have a back porch, you know, and you want to let, you know, light some citronella candles because it's summer or wait until it gets a little cooler and to just be out under the stars and to really fall asleep in the the night air. That's something a lot of people haven't done. Mm -hmm. And that it's a very spiritual moment where you can be asleep out in the open with your gods. That's just, there's nothing like it. And then, of course, I put fire in the next chapter because fire is so important in ritual and in survival. You know, throughout all of history, fire has been such an important aspect of keeping us moving forward in society. Mm -hmm. You know, the invention of the stove, Benjamin Franklin, you know, inventing the stove, that propelled us into a whole nother era of societal abilities. I really believe that. 
And and from fire, I went to trees. I know, and that's almost like a step back because I don't want people to be so overwhelmed. I don't want you to go from sleeping outdoors to thinking, you know, you have to go cliff diving or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I am a bit of a a daredevil. I like to do new things and I like to test my physical limits. Mm -hmm. And because, I mean, even if you have an impairment, you know, my mom has knee replacements and I have, you know, a friend who has brain damage and things like that. But there's still that will, that human spirit, that spark that we have inside where we want to know what we can accomplish regardless of what our odds are. <laughs> and so um, in the trees section, it's about, you know, climbing trees or getting into a tree house and getting your feet off the ground and really letting that kind of give you that metaphorical push that you need to stop limiting yourself. And then, of course, the last few chapters kind of bring that climax there. In eight, chapter eight, and I, I have gotten a little flack from some people about the hunting, <laughs> fishing, and foraging. No. And I expected that, Mm -hmm. you know, I I know that there are a lot of vegans in the pagan community and I totally support that. I believe that everybody has the right to do what they feel is best for themselves, their body and the environment. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge environmentalist, but I am also a hunter and I do go fishing. And there is a primal bond between you and that creature that is sacrificing its life or that you're sacrificing in order to survive. And I was a vegetarian for a while. And then I had to become a pescatarian because I was so, my, my muscles just deteriorated and I'm a very muscular person. I'm very athletic and fish. It's so good for your body. And so, you know, I tried to do everything humanely and as quick as possible. And there are rituals in there, you know, where you're honoring the spirit of the animal that you've let go of. And maybe that is some of my Native American heritage. I don't know, coming over. But, you know, I wasn't raised on a reservation and I don't have a ton of connection to my Native American heritage. But my it was my grandfather's grandmother was a full-blooded Native American and she fell in love with a French fur trapper. And my grandpa always kind of hinted that I reminded him of that kind of spirit that, I, you know, there is, is something <laughs> lingering there, but it is a very spiritual aspect. And I think that it's important to know how to fish or hunt, because if you can't grow your own food or if there's a drought, if there's some kind of a famine, you know, you're going to have to go fishing or you mm-hmm. will die. And you have to know how to do that if you want to survive. And so it's it's a touchy subject for some people, but I yeah. think it's important. Yeah, I've always kind of equated. So talking to friends and people who are vegetarian, vegan, I've I've always kind of had this discussion with them. And there's a movie out called Avatar. And Mm -hmm. or as as my friends lovingly call it, uh, tree dancing with Smurfs. (laughs) I like that. But there's a scene where Jake is being taught how to hunt but how to do it respectfully. Mm -hmm. And he actually kills a beast, but he says, thank you for your sacrifice. You know, Mm -hmm. something along those lines. And I think there's a difference between doing it respectfully and doing it in a factory under really bad circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am very anti-factory farming. I know a lot of local farmers in my area and I support them very much. I, I do not like buying, you know, the, the cheap meat at the store. I know that some people have to do that because you, mm-hmm. you have to do what's within your means. But finding a local farmer that is, you know, and, and being able to meet the cows and, and see how happy they are. And it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and venison is a big one for me. I, I love deer hunting, but it's also, you know, I, I cry. The first deer I ever killed, I, I cried very for a long time about it because, you know, you, you take a life and it's a responsibility, a huge responsibility. Yeah. Yes. But then I went into handiwork and trust. Uh, the last chapter is about trust because I feel like trust and love kind of come together. Mm -hmm. And when you are talking about spirituality, when you're talking about faith and when you're talking about purpose, especially a greater purpose in life, love and trust are the highest ideals that we are constantly working to achieve. So that's where those came from. <laughs> so who would you say you wrote this book for? I wrote this book for anybody who is looking for any kind of connection to nature on the magical scale. I, I guess my, my publisher probably wants me to say to people who are still learning, you know, mm -hmm. the younger, the younger millennials who are just kind of jumping into it with fresh eyes. But I, you know, my mom reads my stuff and, and she says that she's always learning something from that as well. <laughs> she just went on like a spiritual retreat. And so she was like, it's, it's perfect to read this while I'm on my retreat, trying to figure out, you know, where I'm going in life now that I'm in my sixties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Especially when uh, people come to me and say, I'm not a millennial by listening to your podcast. And I'm like, well, the millennial portion of the title is me and Jarrah. Mm -hmm. we're, we're the millennials and we're talking about paganism from a, like our perspective, which is a millennial perspective. When we are asking you these questions, they're millennials asking you questions, right? right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree that when you think about your target audience, it always kind of expands on its own mm -hmm. and, and magically um, who needs it gets it. Is yep. what yeah. I usually end up saying. So like I said, I've only gotten halfway through. I just finished chapter five of Sleeping Outdoors. And that I could tell chapter four was like your baby uh, mm -hmm. swimming. That was where your fun came out. But um, <laughs> chapter five really resonated with me because I'm one of those, and I've said it on here before, that I have to go camping at a certain point that I feel the burn out coming or the burnout has already come and I have oh. to go out to the trees because we live in a desert and there's no really big trees around. I have to get myself submerged into nature where I can't look at my phone. I can't use the internet and I just take the time to be there. So to me, that was very much a calling home of saying, this is why you're doing this and such. But a lot of your chapters really kind of resonate to people in different places where it's like you already know that these things help calm you here's why kind of thing yeah so <laughs> the funny thing about this book is that it was originally a lot bigger it was 110,000 words and it was like supposed to be my like magic bible for everybody and Llewellyn they got it and they were like you know <laughs> there's a lot of I call it like philosophy, but it, it was pretty wordy, I'm sure. And we cut out about 40,000 words or so, maybe maybe closer to 50. And that was very, very painful in getting oh. the book ready. But they wanted it more to be, you know, like leave the main philosophy and of course, because that's mm -hmm. very important, but really give people the meat to 
do what they need to do with. And like you were saying, you know, camping, I'm the same way. Like you get bogged down, you get so used to communicating with other people, you kind of forget your own voice sometimes. And it's like, I have to run away to the woods. I'm going to leave my phone in the car. (laughs) If I want to take pictures, I have to bring like an actual camera. (laughs) And sometimes I don't even allow myself that. And just to be alone, whether you're in the woods or I'm dying to, because I've never done it before, to take a camping trip in the desert. Now I've been to the desert, but I haven't like had a good solid camping trip there. You know, we've had day trips and whatnot, but Mm -hmm. I need a good like outdoor, like really feel the elements there camping trip out in the desert. I really need that. (laughs) I have nothing good to say about Oh, no. I can't. I I go up north because I need the trees. I don't know. I guess my I'm colored because my idea of camping in the desert would be like Utah and the Moby Desert. And I just haven't been able to do that myself. But even in the Grand Canyon, if you camp in the Grand Canyon, you're still camping in trees. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I want to go whitewater rafting at the Grand Canyon. My husband Mm -hmm. thinks I'm crazy. He's afraid of everything. It's so funny. I'm such a daredevil and he's afraid of heights and he's terrified of like whitewater rafting and scuba diving. But my eldest, she wants to do all of it with me. So I have a little buddy to do it with me. (laughs) But sometimes I can get my husband. He's like, well, maybe we can go snorkeling. And I'm like, I am right on that. Let's do it. Let's, you know, like... Because he wants to see these things and experience them, but it's hard for him because, you know, he just, he clams up and he gets so worried. And I'm like, you're going to be okay, honey. <laughs> like, well, and it's good to have that dichotomy yeah. between the two because, you know, you kind of, you know, one breaks the other one out of, out of their shell and the other one keeps the other one grounded. Yeah. yeah, he keeps me from hurting myself a yeah. lot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when he's at work and I'm in the backyard gardening, almost every time he comes home, I've hurt myself somehow. Aww. And he's like, why did I leave you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. I'm tough. But I, I'm, some days I'm like, I think I might be getting too old to do certain things, but <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So here's my one warning to all listeners and including you. If you fly into Phoenix to go to Sedona, to go to the Grand Canyon or anywhere up north in Arizona, look at the temperature variation, especially right now. You're flying into 111 degrees and you're going up to 80 degrees for the high in Mm -hmm. the Grand Canyon. It is completely different. At night, you're going to be very cold. Um, (laughs) I've had so many people who I'm friends with on Facebook who fly in and I see pictures of them at the Grand Canyon wearing like tank tops. And I'm like, "Uh, did you bring warm clothes? And then the next day they're in like the Grand Canyon sweatshirt and the Grand Canyon socks and they look frozen (laughs) to death. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't bring... Because you didn't think. Oh, yeah. Yes. So pay attention to that. Because, yes, you're flying into Phoenix where it is, oh, my God, hot. And then you're driving up to the mountains where it's not, oh, my God, hot. (laughs) Yeah, no, we actually, uh, Sunshine and I, we just got back from a trip to Sedona, Jerome, and Prescott uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And it was just... The, the temperature difference oh, it was so much, so much of a blessing, but I did forget to bring a jacket. So I was oh. a little chilly when we got to Jerome. Yes. <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. And that's the thing is that Phoenicians go up north to run away from the heat. So think about it like that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always heard that the, the desert is cold at night and hot in the day. So I'm like, Not in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, well, I, I, everywhere I, else, though. Like, I consider Phoenix just a concrete jungle on top of a desert. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So the blacktop soaks in all of the heat and then dissipates it at night. So we don't really get to cool down because we're in a valley. So we're a bowl. And that bowl is just a bowl of hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just melting. It's a melting oh, yeah. pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the oven. Like, and... Everyone always says it's like if you open the oven to get cookies and then there's no cookies. I'm like, no, you're the cookie in the oven. (laughs) And there's no no good that's going to come from this. (laughs) Oh, goodness. But um, let's talk about complaining about summer. (laughs) Talk about Samantha. I mean, your book. (laughs) Um, It's funny that you say that because I love summertime. Like I usually, and I'm in, I'm, you know, in an area where everybody's like, oh, it's not that hot there. We have such humidity levels here (laughs) that people come in and they think, oh, it's going to be 80 degrees today. And then they are like crying because Mm -hmm. like my husband, he's from Wisconsin. And so he's gotten heat stroke so many times. And I'm like, you have to drink water and you have to eat fruit juicy mm-hmm. juicy fruit you can't just have a banana it's got to be like clementines oranges lemons you have to have like the juicy fruits get it get some kiwi or something but i love it i love this weather like i know it's ridiculous i was born in the heat of summer i was born on august 4th so to me it's like if it's not 100 degrees out on my birthday i'm disappointed <laughs> and I'll go hiking in that weather and people think I'm crazy. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I drink a lot of water and I eat a lot of fruit and I, I, you know, I'll come inside afterwards and put my feet up and make sure that I'm not passing out. But there's something about all, you know, sweating out all the toxins and it's like an outdoor sauna and then, you know, jumping into a liver, uh, a liver, a rake, a lake, or a river, go. if I could talk, oh my gosh, you know, and those kinds of things, you know, I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to encourage people to do anything dangerous, but you know, if you push yourself to the limits and you're like sweating and then you jump into water, then you have an apple afterwards, you appreciate it 10 times more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is a spiritual element to that, to testing yourself and, and then appreciating everything. And it's kind of sad, though, because I am very allergic to poison ivy and poison ivy loves hot, humid weather. Mm-hmm. And so I end up getting it every year. I just got over a really bad case of it because my neighbors have it in their trees and they're they're taking care of it now. But we had it all over our backyard in the house that we bought because we've been here three years and we had to remove all of it. And that is very hard to do because you can't burn it. If mm-hmm. you burn it, it gets into your lungs. You have to. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a holistic lady, so I specifically dump vinegar on it and then I boil a pot of water <laughs> and take the boiling pot of water outside and dump it over it. And then we dig it out by the roots, put it in a bag and then send it off to the to the compost. And it's this big thing, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it's um once it's gone, it's gone, though. And that's a, a big deal as long as nobody else has, you know, trees that are dropping it, which is mm-hmm. an issue. But I just, the itchies and then the swelling and the pain and I've had my eyes swell shut and, and you, you know, (laughs) my dad's the same way. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. He he can look at it and he worked as a log truck driver for years, which means like being in the areas that they're clearing out. And if he could just see it, he's instantly like we're chamomile lotioning him all all over. Yeah. The it's not fun, but once it clears up, you appreciate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chamomile 
emotion. <laughs> yeah, but that's another thing that I I wanted to get through in the book is um appreciating every season that every mm-hmm. season has its turn, you know. I live in an area where people love to complain about the weather every day. 365 days out of the year because it changes so quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we'll have 100 degree weather one day and it'll be 65 for the high the next. Uh, We'll have beautiful clear skies. And then an hour later, you will have a tornado rip through your neighborhood. And I actually had that happen. We had a tornado drop on our house. I've never experienced that before. That was wow. We looked outside. It was a beautiful day, and the weather had not called for it. And I look outside, and my stepson was with me, and he, and we were laughing because suddenly there were just sticks flying across the yard. And I'm like, what's yeah. happening? And then I was like, maybe we should go downstairs. And he was like, yeah, maybe. And we, we gathered up. <laughs> toddler and and we went downstairs and then suddenly there was a thump and then the whole house shook and I'm like that was a tree (laughs) and there there was a flash flood and and so it's something that like I've I've had to learn you know I like to go outside and look at storms you Mm -hmm. know but I the animals I trust them if my dog wants to be downstairs I have to be downstairs with him he knows what's coming Mm -hmm. and we've had crazy thunderstorms where the birds are out singing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so like if they're out singing i can sit on my porch and i'm just listening and watching all of this crazy insanity go on and i love being able to you know appreciate the heat in summer and the snow in winter and you know the gorgeous that we get beautiful fall foliage here and it's so funny because i know you're sick of the desert but i want to spend more time in the desert because i haven't really experienced that as much and and i think cactuses are the most beautiful plants on the planet Mm -hmm. just maybe it's because i haven't seen a lot of them but there's a park that uh, we can go to it's not that far from where we live that's like an hour south and there are cactus growing and there's white sand and i i'm just it's a quarry and it's <laughs> it's so bizarre to me and and just to see cactus growing in missouri i'm i'm always in awe of it and just i just want to take twenty five thousand pictures and pretend to be a photographer but i know i'll never capture like that moment when i just come upon a, a patch of little baby cactus is growing. I just, (laughs) I look at that and it's, it's so amazing to me that we live on a planet where there's so much like diversity of life. I can't Mm -hmm. get enough of it. Right. If you're ever out here in Arizona, especially in the Phoenix area, you're Mm going to want to go to the desert botanical gardens. Oh yes. Well, Papago Park, which is where the desert botanical gardens is, is Mm -hmm. what I would suggest in general, just because you get the red rocks and just really neat mountain structures and then all of the plants. And I would actually suggest March and April. Oh yeah. Um, that like we're complaining now cause it's dead of summer, but give us like <laughs> November and November to about April. We're going to be like, Oh, right. This is why we live here. Right. And yeah. then about late May is when we're like, why do we live here? <laughs> I mean, I mean, November. Personally, I would rather have the hundred days of over a hundred degree weather than mm-hmm. having to shovel snow. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. That's I, it's not. No. <laughs> It's not fun shoveling snow. I tell myself that it's good exercise. So that's what I do. But I also don't live in Wisconsin. My husband, he's like, when you live in Wisconsin and you cannot possibly shovel all that snow, you have to have a snowblower or you're going Mm -hmm. to collapse. He's Mm -hmm. like, it's very, very different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I, I love the snow too. So I, I always tease them. I'm like, we need to have a place up there too, so that I can experience the full snow, the, the real winter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, like uh, you said, everything has its time and I think we have had ours. So mm-hmm. Jessica, please um, let us know where our uh, listeners can find you, your book and what you have going on next. Yes, I'm going through kind of a, an internet recluse phase, I guess. I <laughs> I'm, I was minimizing my social media because I just didn't, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there where mm-hmm. people are fighting and I, I don't want to be a part of that specifically, but I also want to focus more on on the writing and really trying to, to encourage people to love each other more. So I'm on Tumblr because I feel like that's the fun area where people go to <laughs> kind of be a little more silly and eccentric. I like that. I am on minds.com because it is a free speech platform and there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there who are just kind of fun to talk to even if you don't agree with them like they joke around there's a lot of joking i like joking so i'm i'm on there and i am on pinterest i post all of my writing on pinterest pinterest is just fun you know you find crafts and there's mm-hmm. beautiful pictures and i i love that very much but my website is where you can find all of my stuff it is my name jessica marie baumgartner.com i know it's very long the spelling is is phonetic though so it's pretty easy to find or you can find me on Llewellyn.com. they have a nice page for me and and their books are all very wonderful i i feel very um i'm in good company i i like all the <laughs> the wonderful authors and everybody's so nice there and i feel very very blessed and lucky whatever you want to call it to be in this position to be able to talk to you guys you guys are very cool and uh thank you very much for having me on Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming yeah. on and hanging through us with the uh, with all the technical difficulties. Oh, yes, uh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. So, Jara, where can I find you? Uh, of course, I'm always on the uh, that that'll Instagrams. I haven't posted too much recently because you know con season isn't here yet, but. There's a lot of different conventions coming up here in Arizona, so I'm going to be ramping up that page. Just make sure you look up Haggard underscore Haggard underscore cosplay. And of course, I'm on TikTok, AZ underscore silent underscore Bob. And that Twitter thing, uh, <laughs> at, yeah, at Jara Stone. Awesome. Well, you guys know you can find me, Autumn Wolf, on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find Millennial Pagan Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So from everyone here at Millennial Pagan Podcast, I want to say first, thank you, Jessica, for coming on and telling us about your wonderful book, which is, again, called The Nature of Magic. And you guys The magic of nature. Sorry, the magic of nature. I'm even looking at it. That's okay. I'm dyslexic, so I really appreciate that, actually. (laughs) Oh, yay. Fun secret. So am I. Uh, Which is like why I'm like, why I'm looking right at it so I don't do that. It's just a brain thingy. Mm The Magic of Nature. I highly suggest this book, even if I'm only halfway through, I will be finishing it. So I didn't just read it. So I knew what I was talking about. (laughs) And you guys can check that out, obviously, on Llewellyn's page or wherever Llewellyn sells books, including Amazon, which you have some pretty good comments on Amazon about your book, too. Yeah, the reviews have been very, very nice. I really appreciate all of that. (laughs) Awesome. Well... So again, from all of us here at Millennial Pagan Podcast, Merry Meet. Merry Part. And And Merry Merry Meet meet again. Again.